0: and we created this podcast as the adult leadership advisory board or a lab who we are in terms of a lab is a group that focuses on issues challenges and difficult topics facing our community we are working hard to develop educational programming, social tools, and fundraising initiatives to inform, include, and support adults with cystinosis, but ultimately anybody in our community, our friends, our families, our neighbors, and anybody that that might or might not be affected by cystinosis. We, as the Adult Leadership Advisory Board, are funded and work under the Cystinosis Research Network. For those of you out there who might not necessarily understand or know what cystinosis is, cystinosis is characterized by the accumulation of the amino acid or one of the amino acids, cysteine, within the cells. When the cysteine builds up in the cells, it often forms crystals and will sometimes attack certain organs and tissues, predominantly the kidneys, but also includes the eyes, muscles, thyroid, brain, pancreas, and testes. Previously, it was known that an individual born with cystinosis would not live past 10. It's pretty grim and I'm sure many families out there were quite devastated when they had a newborn who was diagnosed with this disease, cystinosis. However, today we have members in our community living well past 50 years old.
1: Hello, happy holidays, and welcome to Cystinosis Rare, Journey into the Unknown. Today, we will be talking about coping mechanisms that we as adults with cystinosis have developed to cope with living with cystinosis. With me today are my co-hosts, Jana Healy, say hi. Hi. (laughs) Sarah. It's all all good. I'm Steve Schluter. And Brianna Dundee is going to be joining us a little later. Okay, and our guests today are Ethan Krenzer and uh, Emily Mello. And if you guys want to say a little bit about why you, why you're uh, why you decided to to join us that that'd be all great. <laughs> Ethan uh, Ethan you go ahead. Yeah.
2: Okay. I'll go after you. Uh, so as okay. So as uh Steve uh previously said, my name is Ethan Krenzer. Um I am 32. I have been living with cystinosis now for about 29 years now. Uh, and I decided to join in uh, to this podcast today because I think the holidays are like not only stressful for everyone and we all find different ways to cope with the um, both the holidays and the year coming to an end but I think it's especially difficult for people with any sort of condition this time of the year to um, on what they should look forward to for the next year so that's why I'm here today. Great
3: thanks thanks Ethan um, I'm Emily I am 33 years old I am in Connecticut. I've been living with cystinosis uh, my whole life. I I was diagnosed at eighteen months, so thirty two years with cystinosis. And you know, it's not been it's not always been rainbows and sunshine. It's been difficulties, but also victories. Um, And I, you know, I'm here. I was invited. It's a privilege to be here and discuss. You know how. to get through everything, how I got through everything and hopefully be an encouragement to anyone living with any kind of condition. Thanks so much. Thanks for inviting me, thank you.
1: Yeah, all right. And our moderator today is Maya Doyle and I'm gonna let her introduce herself here and talk about coping mechanisms a little bit more in depth.
4: Awesome, thanks Steve. Uh, So I'm Maya Doyle, I am a social worker. I have been working with the cystinosis community for a little more than 20 years now. The first transplant patient I ever took care of had cystinosis uh, and was a teenager at the time. So I have had the privilege of watching really a whole generation of folks with cystinosis, including some of our guests tonight, um, become adults, which is amazing, and 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 step up and be in leadership roles, which is great. Um, so tonight I'm talking about coping and, Ethan actually made a great point of connecting stress and coping, and those two ideas really go well together, because what coping really is, is how we respond to the stressors in our lives, right? What resources we draw on, how we respond emotionally, all of those pieces. So, and and while we may specifically be talking about coping with cystinosis, we're also talking about coping with all of the other things that are going on in life while managing a chronic health condition. And just on a personal note, while I don't have cystinosis myself, I do live with a chronic health condition myself. So I think a lot about sort of how we balance those things, all the other things in our lives while we're trying to take care of ourselves. So we do have some sort of pre-considered questions that um, the group has already thought about that I'm going to Throw out to everybody, and then we'll we'll see where it where it takes us in our conversation tonight.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
4: All right. So, are you all ready to uh, dive in? Let's do it.
1: Let's do it.
4: Ready. All right. Awesome. Um, so, I want to first take us back in time a little bit and think about childhood and adolescence, and because that's really where we learn a lot of our coping mechanisms. And thinking about times that either you just weren't feeling well or feeling sick, or maybe you were having a medical procedure that was stressful or scary. As you were growing up, do you remember what the things were that you did at that age that were comforting or made you feel better?
1: Um, I guess I could get the the ball ro- rolling for folks. Um, so uh, I, uh, a lot of my major stuff, was during like, uh, well, there was different periods, but the the, the one I'm remembering r- right now with the question is when I was about like ages like 10 through 12, um, which, which would have been about the time I got my uh, kidney transplant. Um, and I remember playing a lot of Super Nintendo um, and uh, Super Mario Brothers um yes and and uh so <laughs> i would say when i was younger probably more like 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 um video game stuff uh, um like i when i uh came home from the hospital after having having a transplant my my uh family had gotten me like a older tv set and a super nintendo um oh, nice. and and uh when i was recovering it was just playing a lot of like super mario brothers and uh i was uh what else was, i think oh there's there like some uh teenage mutant ninja turtle game on there yeah so yeah so, yeah. so that um when i was younger overall um uh, music and whether it's listening to it or playing it um has helped a lot with, with me because i've been playing yeah. it- since i was 14 Uh, nice yeah yeah
3: i can relate to you too like um a lot of times i actually have a picture um of my first transplant when i was 10 this was in 98 um i actually have a picture of when i you know like woke up from transplant i have two playstation controllers on my bed (laughs) so like playstation was there you know um for me to cope and it was something that i can get together with friends, you know, um, friends would come over, we would play. So video games was actually a, a big part of, of me coping. Um, and then I can also relate to music because um, I did a lot of activities as kids, but like, as I was having, um, my kidney was failing. I had no energy, you know, I became very anemic and all that. So I would start something, but I wouldn't finish and drum lessons is something that I started taking. Um, I wanted to play the drums, and, you know, it's a really good, till this day, a really good stress reliever, and, you know, um, so drums was really, really good for me to cope, you know, the video games, and counseling as a young child was actually very good for the family, and myself, and having that support system of, uh, at home you know and then also too like I got into coloring um in my you know right after transplant too because there was not much I can do I couldn't run around or whatever and I had kind of coloring there and um and that was really good for me too and so I had things like that and uh crafting crafting especially when I was inside the hospital they had like this they always had. Um, like a little place for kids, you know, that that's in the hospital to um, make crafts and stuff like that. And I can remember some of the activities we did. Even until now, I remember how that kind of made me feel, you know, normal or, you know, if I was up for it, I would go and um, in the hospital and, and go to this little room where it was like a little arts and crafts room for the kids. And um, there was these little activities with like you get the beads and you put them into a design and then you melt them. Mm -hmm. So crafts like that inside the hospital, I think is very important, you know, to have available for the kids because that it got me through it. It got me, um, thinking like not thinking about what's going on really, you know, with my health and all that. Um, so like right after transplant, I had a lot of rejection. So a lot of hospital stays, um, and visits in the hospital and knowing people are thinking about me, you know, and rooting for me. It really got me through those types of things. Um, Till this day too, playing the drums is very relieving. Um, And I got to teach, you know, my son Elijah how to play. So it's like, you know, I pass it on to him and whenever we're mad or we just go and bang, we go bang on the drums. And um, so music, video games, Support, all that good stuff that's available for us, you know, as kids, um, was you know my my coping mechanism as a kid.
4: That's awesome,
3: Ethan. How about you?
2: Um, I'm glad there's a con- a consistency uh, and relatability to gaming. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't quite want to be repetitive, but. I am a huge Sony fanboy, but I didn't come to Sony until, I want to say, around, like, 2000, 2001. I don't know how much you guys can relate with, um, but during my early years as a kid and adolescence, my, I was in the hospital a lot, uh, not for, like, kidney failure. Kidney failure didn't really come to me until, my, until eighth grade and my freshman year in high school. Before that, I just had to deal with a lot of um, of skeletal issues and, and muscular dystrophy, uh, and also I was in the hospital most often until about 2000 because of instability of my electrolytes. And so yeah. I would have to go in probably maybe like almost like every other weekend to just get rebalanced and to get things put back in. Uh, and so gaming was there. I played things like, um, oddly enough, Super Nintendo with Donkey Kong. Uh, and then yeah. I, I played, and, and it's you, you know, as kids, our memories are not super great because we're still learning what, um, what memory is. But I played a lot of uh, Sonic on like the original Sega. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But
3: I used for to me, love it's. Sega.
2: The two things that I found as coping, but games were important because they gave me kind of that power of fantasy where everything was in my control. Yeah. But um, great but I but I um I really really fell in love with uh, history at a very young age cause it because it taught me how to kind of understand what happened the day before, but also it's when I uh, fell in love with cinema. I probably every hospital I went to. I would honestly treat it like a resort kind of situation. So you know, once the IV was in, they would leave me alone, and then I'm like, "Cool, the uh, the drip is in. Now, someone get me uh, a copy of Jurassic Park." And uh, Dunstan yeah. checks in. Like, if I ever can like get, in I you know, as a as a thirty year guy in his thirties, I'm like I, I'm like yes, Dunstan checks in is a terrible movie, but seven year old me loved. Dunstan checks in. But also Jurassic Park, like uh Wait,
3: Dunstan Jackson, about? that's the one that he that he wait, is that the blank check? That's not the blank check, oh. right? No, Dunstan. but Which
2: I one? I watched I watched that one a lot too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. checks in so here's the plot for Dunstan checks in. Uh a human uh animal trafficker slash jewel thief checks into a hotel in New York City to use his trained orangutan to steal Jewels right. from luxury. This is some jumping the shark stuff. Uh, but yeah. I probably watched um, Jurassic Park more. Like my childhood was built on <laughs> Jeff on on uh, on Jeff Goldblum hamming it up.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's really funny that you tell that story because my memory of being in the hospital myself when I was about ten was I think watching Gene Wilder in is it Son of Frankenstein. Whatever the, you know that. Oh, yeah. Mel Brooks. I watch yep. it over y- and over y- and over y- again yep. in the same yeah. way. Y-
1: young Frankenstein.
4: Young yeah. Frankenstein, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and instantly relieves any stress around me. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, and, and like thinking now, guys, movies was too. Like you know, every time hospital stays, they had those movies, and one movie for me is James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. I just remember it's like it's a movie I watched with my mom in the hospital. And I watched it the other day. I was like, I want to watch James and Peach, because you know I was having a stressful day, and I put I put it on. And thinking about talking with you guys, it just makes sense now. It's like that's why I wanted to watch James and <laughs> Peach. It it, it it brings me peace. It brings me, you know. Yeah, that's cool. It's it's cool that we can relate. You know.
4: Absolutely. I think it's nice you you guys have both all brought up both the the distraction elements of coping. Yeah. Yeah think about what's going on i need to get away but ethan you made a great point too about feeling like you have power over a situation right and so the game like when you're controlling a game at least you have you have a little bit of power over that when maybe life feels so crazy so you know it's fascinating to think about what we do to make ourselves you know feel like we're in control of situations when often we're we're not yeah makes sense Sarah and Jenna, if you want to jump in at any time, please do. I saw Brianna here for a second, but she's gone again. <laughs> so we'll if you guys back. have ideas, please throw throw them in. <laughs>
5: um oh well when uh I was really young, I I kinda had this thing that uh my parents started, they would put uh a clean burp cloth on my pillow and I would sit there and I would fidget the, with the edges because I like the feel of it and they would they would do that every night which would kind of help me cope a little bit never since then I like fidget with my shirt in the same way I've caught oh, myself like doing it yeah going like this yeah oh that's fascinating yeah on my shirt or whatever I, it's just like a
4: but you were ahead of the curve because now they sell things just for that purpose—toys <laughs> yeah. and clothing that's made that way. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a trendsetter.
5: Yeah. I <laughs> I would also play Game Boy. I liked like Wario Land and Mario <laughs> Yoshi. I like yeah Yoshi. Yoshi's Island. <laughs> yeah. And Classic. now I do um like painting. Um, I've also, uh, since, you know, dealing with getting older with this disease, I've started going to therapy and, and uh, keeping a journal to try and help with stress.
4: Well, that actually brings me kind of out to our next question, um, which is sort of what what do you do now in adulthood around coping and around what we call in the biz self-care? How do you take care of yourself to sort of add that extra layer of kind of protection against the stressors that you know are coming
5: yeah 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 it is pretty hard I mean well lately I've I work I work full-time and then I I go to online college classes so it's like I'm basically doing double the stress but I want to, I want to get this degree so I can help out uh, nonprofit industry after my degree because I'm getting a nonprofit management. So I've been having a lot of stress lately. Usually what I do is I'll, I'll listen to some favorite songs and I'll sing along because that's one of my hobbies or ways I de stress is singing and karaoke, which the pandemic has been hard for me because I can't go to karaoke or the bars anymore because I don't I can't be you know that that crowded in that crowded of a space right now
1: karaoke uh, at home we, huh there
5: you we, go can't, yeah,
1: no, can't. I, we did we, we my did.
5: father Dana and Cass with my singing <laughs> instead if I'm cooking or baking or you know oh, doing whatever for, I start singing and Dana's like I'm trying to watch <laughs> yay
1: very, oh. ver, ver, very, like
5: that. you can sing
1: very early on with A Lab, we 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 did like a makeshift karaoke night with with uh you 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 guys you you Jana and Sarah and, and Cheryl. <laughs>
5: yeah, I remember that. We were on one of them. We were rapping to Eminem.
1: Yeah, we tra- we tried the same uh uh, Rob Zombie. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dracula yeah yeah uh,
5: that was fun that was
1: it fun. was it was it was fun yeah i i enjoyed that i was sad we didn't i was kind of sad we didn't try to do another one um although that one had mixed results but it also kind of made it nice that it had mixed results <laughs> this is made, there's always it, 2022
4: this, Steve. it made so it, we it, could do it again this,
1: it the fact that it wasn't perfect made it made it like real karaoke <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, yeah. Um, yeah. I
5: don't know. Singing's singing's one of my coping mechanisms if I'm just having a crappy day because,
6: yeah.
5: you know, most people just you know listen to the song just to listen to it. Well, I I like songs because of the lyrics, more than more. So much the melody, the meaning yeah. behind it. That's that's one of my main coping mechanisms.
4: And Emily, we've been talking a lot about music as coping and right thinking about we we had this great idea of building playlists but we haven't gotten that a done playlist yet. yeah
3: <laughs> i did ask yeah i did ask on the oh. century you know about um about you know having um a favorite playlist and a lot of people do respond and you know there was a lot of metal in there and which i can definitely see you know i am into metal as well and um but i just never went out and uh, and and did and did it like you know i have to come up with a playlist because like right after, um, a couple of things happened at home and, you know, Robbie died and it's, uh, Robbie was my boyfriend, by the way. And, um, he, I, I didn't have the courage to listen. Like I couldn't listen to anything, you know, but, and then I started listening to Elton John and then, you know, things to bring me up. And, um, I think like, even right now it's been really good for me, uh, just jamming in the car and, um, I've been giving out playlists to friends who are in the hospital with COVID um, or who's just going through a hard time. And that's been awesome. Like me serving someone else, you know, making that playlist for them, um, finding out what they like, you know, so that's been right. Lately, that's what's been helping me too, like listening to music and making these playlists for my friends who are in the hospital, stuff like that. You make a great point uh, too,
4: Emily about like, Sometimes being of service to other people is a
3: right when you yeah, and I think when you're not yeah, in control of things yourself, you can exactly. Do that. That and I'm learning, yeah, I'm learning now that it can make a big difference. And it's my it's my love language, you know. I've been yeah. learning that that's my love language, showing someone I care um, by doing these small acts um, for mm-hmm. for them. And like uh, a friend of mine, she was in the hospital with COVID. Oh, she's, she's actually, uh, she's, she's an, she's an older lady, you know, um, yeah. she's like, she's like my mom's age. She's a family friend. And, you know, we say hi and bye. We're not best friends, but, you know, you know, our, our hearts respect each other and all that. And, but when I found out she was in the house, I'm like, I'm going to make her a playlist. Um, so I, yeah. I contacted her daughter and till this day, every time she sees me, Emily, thank you so much for that playlist. You know I was all alone in the hospital, and that playlist they put it on for me, and you know it was so loving, like every time she thanks me, so it's like it's that little act that I did for someone, you know, and uh she appreciates it, and that and me feeling appreciated um was big, you know it meant a lot to me so so I think serving others too um to make me feel good, you yeah. know. So, yeah. And I do, I still want to do the playlist for the systemosis community. But uh, yeah. I think it's going <laughs> to, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But I think it's important, even if, like, when, you know, even if you're not feeling it, just put something on, you know, you you eventually, uh, it's a healing healing process, too, you know. Listen to the sad song when you're sad and then an exciting song when you're excited and but uh, yeah, I tend to uh, rock out in the car, yeah. so. <laughs> but especially if it's just me, and then like if it's me and my son Elijah, it's like, he wants one type of song and I want another type of song, and like the, I I have a playlist. It's fun. I have a playlist called pick-up songs for Elijah, so it's like embarrassing songs. Oh, that's mean. I have have Barbie, I have Barney, I have Barbie Girl, all those 90s yeah, yes. and I and I bla- and I, I blast I blast it when I'm picking him up. And then he's like, turn it down. He's like, he goes, like, you know, turn it down, turn it down. And I turn the window down. <laughs> and then he's like, he gets in and, and puts the radio down. And but you know, there's so much so like they they already expected. Like the girls, I put on one direction the other day. And as soon as I come into the to the parking lot, it was on blast. And the girls, you know, his friends. Knew knew the song, so they started singing with me, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this for for the whole year," you know. Yeah. Um So yeah, I have a I have a playlist to embarrass Elijah. Um, the other day was One Direction, but here's the thing: he loves One Direction, so he was singing along too. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then and then he gets in the car and he he puts down my music and and puts his music on, and I'm like, okay, all right, all right. I'm the driver. do no, no touching. No touching. I'm the DJ. He's like, no, no. The co-pilot has to be the DJ. And then we argue. But uh, but it's it's all fun. It's it's fun, you know. But and, all of that humor good.
4: and fun, right, is part of yeah. You know, lifts and
3: you making up. Making memories. When other things exactly. might bring you down. Yeah. Exactly. And making memories, you know, like he'll remember. He'll like, oh my gosh, remember the day that you came with the One Direction song and everybody started singing. <laughs> so, I'm the, I'm, I mean, I'm like tra- the immature mom. I'm sorry. I was just no, like okay. out, I'm like the, I'm like the immature mom. Like, I don't, not immature, but like, I like to have fun. I act like one of
6: the
5: kids.
3: I, I act like one of the kids. And, I, and like, I think that's why a lot of the kids, you know, they, they come and they, they talk to me and they say hi and I feel appreciated. So like, I, I, I like being like that you know um i'm I'm fun i am i am like a mature mom but like i'm also like a kid mom like you know silly things but
1: um i I think it's good to keep you know that be a kid at heart i think it's good the
3: humor is really important. but of course you know there's a time for everything and when i need to be you know tough the tough mom And it's hard too, cause like, it's just me. So I have to be the good guy and I have to be the bad guy. Like, you know, so I have to tell him, you know, Hey, do your homework. You know, I, I have to be that person that I have to be, I have to be the good guy and the bad guy to him. So, and the friend and, and, and the mom and the friend and the dad. So, you
4: sort of, you're, you're sort of helping us transition to, uh, you know next question just thinking about not about obviously parenting but also about living with cystinosis and all it entails right there you hit challenges and frustrations and annoyances and you know things don't always come out quite the way you want to so let's air a little dirty laundry here like let's think about when you know when have you really hit moments of struggle where maybe you weren't your best maybe you weren't your best self
6: Yeah.
3: Are we opening up all the way? Are we opening just a little bit? Let's, uh,
4: let's start with a little bit and then see where we go.
7: I would say probably being a mom, kind of punishing the kids harder than
4: That's I really great. should at
7: times because I just so frustrated with other stuff. Right. That's that a really great point too. Yeah. Especially with the teenager.
4: Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you and Emily are both sort of juggling that, you know? So there's yeah. the. It's the fun mom side, but there's... Oh, all-
3: yeah. Oh, definitely. I have... I, I went off on Elijah the other day. You know, uh, we had a hard week last week being, like, one of my, uh, my aunts had passed away in Brazil, and um, my mom actually was in the hospital right after. Her. last. This was last week, and, like, we were running late to something, and, and Elijah was just complaining. We're always late for everything, which we're not you know, in his head, that's, you know, at that moment, that's, And I understand, I understand his part, his side, but I went off on him. And like, I, I went off on him and I said, you know, dude, you're not appreciating the things we do. And, but I went off, I was yelling in his face, you know. Um, But I think it's all things that he needed to hear. Um, one difficult thing to, uh, I was actually younger, um it, i did i was on dialysis right uh, out of frustration i guess i don't remember the whole thing but i know my sister went out and i couldn't because i had dialysis i had to get connected uh to the machine you know those who aren't familiar with dialysis prayer to new you know you have a catheter in your abs abdomen, and uh, you connect to a machine called a cycler and it does the kidney work for you um, so I was nine years old you know I wanted to go to wherever my sister was going or a sleepover I just I wasn't understanding like why do I have to stay home you know and out of frustration I um I actually cut the catheter I cut the dialysis catheter um because I wanted to be done with it I was so frustrated I just grabbed the scissors and I I snapped. And this is not something I usually open up about, but it's that act that I regret. Um, you know, they took it really serious. They took it as a suicide. Um, and so then we had to do counseling. The whole family had to do counseling. I was actually talking to my mom. And this is why I'm bringing it up is because I was talking to my mom about it. And, you know, as a child, you can't control what's going on. I, I couldn't control that I needed a transplant. And she was like, "I don't know if I always, if I ever told you, but the the social worker said, you know, you did that out of frustration and out of fear, because uh, we were getting ready for transplant, and you didn't want, you know, you didn't want mommy to give you the kidney because you didn't need want to go through a kidney because you were afraid one of dying yourself or one of mommy dying because you know that." Um, and I and then looking back it's like you know I was afraid. I was afraid as a little girl, 9 years old, getting ready for a transplant. And out of frustration, I wanted to take out what was to me what was the causing
4: problem, what was causing what the was problem. causing
3: everything. And yeah. um, you know, looking back, we did family counseling and I think that family counseling helped a lot of us, you know, uh, in in my family. So but that's one thing I am not, not proud of. But it's something that it happened. I regret it, and um, obviously, you know, this was a couple of years. This was a couple of moons ago um, when I was ten. well, so, but we end but up. Emily, you also you raise such a good point.
4: Not just about how, how you found coping mechanisms over time but also what we need to think about in terms of how we help younger kids when they are feeling, right? Being able to reach out, being able to say what's going on because they they don't understand all of the
3: implications
4: of what's happening happening to them. You know, and I also, I just appreciate your being honest about it because these are things that we get, right? We have a lot of stigma about talking about, you know,
3: mental health, about- Suicide, yeah. And, and, and like at nine years old, that's what they took it as. But I I don't think that's, that's what I was thinking about. Like I would, you know, um, but growing up, it certainly has crossed my mind. Um, especially my, was it my junior year? My junior year, like I was talking the other day with uh, a young, young man from church and he's going to one of the schools that I went to for, um, for arts, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, I did two years there, I did my freshman and sophomore year, and then he asked me, oh, why didn't you continue, and then I remembered, because I fell in a deep, deep depression (laughs) my junior year, and I stopped everything I loved, um, so throughout my whole life, you know, I've struggled with things like that, um, with mental, mental illness, and, uh, things like that but i've been in and out of counseling and stuff like that and then i'm learning now that it's my history it's what build built me Mm -hmm. and you know i'm definitely not superwoman you know i think i i i think i had that in my head that i'm cystinosis i have a i'm a cystinosis warrior i need to be like superwoman and i need to be like the the woman of steel like don't feel anything and for a long time I was on autopilot for a very long time just like getting through um but now you know learning to let things go and learn from everything I think I'm finally you know kind of I don't know what the word would be but kind of learning to to brace everything from childhood to now and accepting it and and growing from everything, from from everything, from from, from when I was born till now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. it's like I I used to say like I was in a funk and now, you know, I'm finally out of out of that funk. But I'm always in and out. And yeah.
6: But, but
3: I, learning learning that I'm human, I think, is like that I'm allowed to feel. I'm allowed I, to that feel warrior, that warrior. That warrior
4: term was so interesting, right? Because you get to that place where like that means. Sort of putting. I up need to
3: be of being tough when exactly. you may not feel it. Yeah, you can't really and do like, it. And like when I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital in September. I don't cry during procedures. I, you know, but I don't know what it was. He, I don't know. It was. It wasn't. It was. It was hurting. He was. He was doing my. Uh, he couldn't find my vein. He was doing the IV, but I just started crying and crying. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I never cry, and it's like, and I'm like. In my head, I, like cry because you're human, you know. Yeah. If you're feeling like it, do it, you know. And, and um, I have to remind myself that I am not superwoman, that I am human, that I'm allowed to feel. Yeah, you know, I'm allowed to be weak, sort of say. Yeah. Uh, you know? so I'm learning. I'm learning a lot, actually. You know.
1: Going along so, with what you're saying, um, mm-hmm. I, so, something that I. Feels sometimes is uh just tired you know yeah exhausted of it all <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's it can be so tired like the you know the having to maintain that 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 regimen and, and and then having like I got what, what what really gets to me sometimes is not being able to con- control what happens to your body um mm-hmm. and, and where you can be like feel fine one second or one day and then the next next like second or next day j- just for whatever reason you're you just knocked out um and yeah. that and that just frustrates me to know and I'm normally a pretty mellow person um but like there's been an occasion where it's that, that's gotten it, it's gotten me like so upset that I like ripped like door doors off off uh, of you know like not like like pantry doors off of things and like th- thrown stuff and um yeah. you know, broken like cd players
7: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. um, yeah, so yeah I, just, I guess i've just had like that mixture of angry and just really mm-hmm. really tired <laughs>
4: so, yeah well, I'm sometimes I, right, trying to yeah. find a way to, like, get that feeling, like, out in the world and visible, right? And it, obviously afterwards, you're like, oh, I probably should <laughs> think. Yeah. but But it, it's yeah. a way of kind of making it, I don't know, like, manifest
3: in the world.
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: Just in here. Bringing it, it out. Bringing from inside to out. You y- know, that's how you, you acted. E- you're e- bringing e- it out. Rihanna, yeah. you look like exactly. you were
4: having a, a a thought or a reaction to that conversation.
7: No, I just, the little one keeps kind of yelling and stuff. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Ethan, how you about know, you? What be. are you thinking about as we're, as we're talking <laughs> well, about I, this
2: stuff? Well, I wrote, I made some notes. Uh, I saw, yeah. Following but I'm your to tell prompt. Us. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, well, it's when it comes to, like, self-expression, um, as I'm sure you guys will know, over the last couple of years, uh, at, when we've been in person... Uh, I've never believed in having a filter. And so hopefully one day we'll have an R-rated session where we can really cut loose. And so I'm trying to say something uh, in respect to both the the younger patients, but also more importantly to the parents, because there are so many things I think we we kind of overlook. Um, So I think it's important to say as a caveat, regardless of whether you're perfectly fine, or you have something every single person makes really really dumb mistakes and how you decide to approach it um is going to win sometimes and sometimes it's it's not um and again another conversation for later i would love to compare uh men versus women with cystinosis because Uh, You know, women naturally, like, mature and progress a little sooner than men, Um, but with guys, growing up, it's all about trying to outdo the other or some kind of competition, Uh, and I didn't get those uh, feelings or those urges until I was 18 because uh, my kidneys just didn't work, and kidneys are responsible for hormones and making you feel the way that you're supposed to feel. And so the way that I described it uh, like for the last, like for more than 10 years, I've described entering puberty at, an, at the age of 18 as throwing, a, as throwing a Molotov cocktail into a barn and shouting good luck and locking the door in front of me, because suddenly you're like, what is this? What is that? Damn it! Uh, and then you're like, so that's what that is. Uh, and also, um, you know, just the competitiveness of of dating and the disadvantage that men feel with different conditions. It, it kind of fuels your paranoia and the and a hundred percent in a inferiority complex that you cannot come to terms with in even a 10 year period. Uh you it's going to take a long time and you might and you are going to make mistakes that are sometimes way more um weird than normal guys will make because you have that that voice in the back of your head. Um, and you know my I didn't start therapy until i was 27 uh and looking back at it now and like a reevaluation of things you wish you could do again if i knew my, who my the person i'm seeing now if i knew who she was you know 15 or 18 years ago i would have told my parents in some kind of like you know message in a bottle saying so i'm gonna need i'm going to need you to you know duct tape me Throw me in the back of the car, drop me off at Monica's, say have fun, and come get me in two hours. And I think like I would have been way more well adjusted. Um, but also, until I started having those like natural hormones and feelings, there was no way to uh, to come to terms of any of this. And I also because of uh, competition, and how other guys behave, I never had a wingman. I still don't have a wingman. Every guy is out for themselves. Um, and sadly, until I had a really bad friendship breakup, uh, my I never heard the song uh, that my dad shared with me called, Is She Really Going Out With Him? Uh, and so I lost a really good friend during grad school because uh, I slowly just couldn't handle the reality that I had been rejected. But, you know, in the long run, I, I said, you know, congrats on this. I, it was a, a person who cheated on their boyfriend. And I was kind of too stubborn to say, okay, I'm, yes, it's wrong, but I spent w- way more time with you than this dude. And FYI, I also helped you evacuate out of a hurricane, and you're still not dating me. So it's like, on the one hand, I can finally say, yes, I was 100% jealous, but on the other hand, this dude's this dude's a creep and you can do way way better than him, even if it's not me. You can still do way way better and the two of them are married. But um I think it's to kind of you know make a, a 180. I think it's really important for people to to all realize we're all mutually insane. I have had, yeah, I we're none of us are perfect mentally, and I've always had that sort of mutual feeling. And there have been people who I've had to, I literally have stopped from, um, from going through a suicide, mostly through the strategy of, mostly through the, the basic strategy of, don't you? If, if I, of the responsive. If I didn't care, I wouldn't be here right now telling you to snap out of it and then the very then the very real confrontation of if um if you go, then I'm gonna be stuck with these people. I want to be alone with all this b s like if you if you leave like if if um uh, if I can't check out what makes you think you get to don't leave me alone with all these people <laughs> so uh, but i think it's really important to say every single one of us is insane is insane in some way
4: yeah you, ethan you're absolutely right in finding finding the sort of the mutuality like you were talking about like everybody else around me is crazy too and i need i need my peeps to protect me and be <laughs> with me and go through this with me um
3: yeah, yeah. No indefin- you know, you. like I'm not alone in this world, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not alone. I'm. These feelings aren't. Oh, I'm not the only one feeling these feelings.
2: Yeah, no. uh and I don't want to hog the mic for too much longer, but I had another um, like in three week, like a three week period, I had to convince people not to go through with it. The first one was like the most like. So the, the one, the, the example I gave before was the most serious, but there was someone else uh, who was also considering it because her roommates were making her feel terrible, and she was going through nasty family issues. And I just said to her, um, "Look, if I didn't, if I didn't care, uh, I wouldn't have told my my supervisors at my job that I uh, was working a black tie event with like as a as like a waiter and a caterer." And I'm like. I just left I just lost three hundred dollars and it would have been a good night. Don't tell me I don't care. I just lost money, damn it.
4: Yeah, but getting that across to someone else that in, in whatever way, right, you've you've taken you yeah. because they matter is yeah. uh, you know is, is is huge. And sometimes that's what someone needs to right, that's what someone needs yeah. to hear that there's at least one other person who gets it. And it can be one person yeah. that makes a that makes yeah. a difference. Ethan, I think you were also the person, maybe when we were in Philly or maybe a conference before that, that I think you were the one who said everyone's the star of their own movie. Isn't that your line too?
2: I don't I don't know. Think, I, like we all I, think, I, I, oh I think that that's that been a growing saying with like the not necessarily cynical community. But right. when you when you I've worked a lot of retail and I've heard the phrase that too many people think they're a the star of their own movie and everyone else around them are just extras. Right. And I'm like, well, we got to stop saying that because that's not true. And I'm tired of, uh, I'm tired of guest starring. <laughs> right.
4: Right. But I also, I always think of it too, in that like, we worry so much about what other people think of us, right? Like we think we're the center of attention when really maybe we're not. <laughs> You're <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: not the, <laughs> so I use that all the time, so I'd forgotten that it it probably I think it came from you. So thank you. You've made a difference, and I quote it to social workers on training all the time. you You made an impact you didn't even realize. But to keep us back on our sort of you know thread about thinking about sort of how we you know and and thank you, both of you for talking about sort of you know the really the serious side of when when we're not coping, and when the stress is overwhelming, and what it takes to sort of be able to pull pull back from that moment. And really, a lot of it is knowing that someone else is out there and can connect with you and listen, be it a friend, be it a therapist. and you know you all have talked about so beautifully about why why different forms of therapy have been so helpful for you. Um, I'm wondering if there are other sort of pieces of coping mechanism you want to share in terms of when you're feeling overloaded or, and I think specifically thinking about just the, um, the potential future with, with cystinosis. Ethan brought up a good point about how this time of year, the beginning of the year kind of makes us all right, reflective about what's, what's coming next, what's coming in the upcoming year. And that can be really heavy when you don't know what, what the future is going to hold. So what are your coping mechanisms, I guess, kind of around that wonder or worry about what's coming next?
5: Well, for me, um, I do worry, um, well, pretty much all the time about uh, what's the next symptom that's going to pop up with my cystinosis. And when I start to get in like a, a worry spiral where I'm like concentrating on it, too much uh, I try to get myself off track of that thinking by saying okay what can I do what can I control if I'm worried about this what can I do to stop worrying whether it be make a doctor's appointment or talk to the doctor or whatever Uh, I make notes something to get my mind off of it and on that
4: spiraling track of yeah that's great I really have that's a great idea. What I talk yeah. to, Tony, when I'm educating my students about stress, I talk about stress as an alarm clock. Like when you're starting to feel that anxiety and like you can't let that go, it's like, oh, wait, I have to take an action, right? So then what's the action that you can take? So for you, it's like, okay, I need to make a phone call. I need to make a doctor's appointment. I need to do some step. And even if that step doesn't turn out to be the right one, it doesn't matter, it's an action that gets you right to that next day even
5: yeah and that's that's what helps me and then it gets my mind off of it because I'm like okay I talked to the doctor and they said we're not there yet so then I'm like okay you know gone
3: yeah when you said you know it's we're not there yet that's what I like to focus because like uh, growing up we all I'm sure have heard this is gonna happen or this can happen or you know, get ready for this or that. Uh, A lot has been said to us that will or might happen, you know, with our health. And I think that living in the day, like right now, this isn't happening to me right now. So let me focus on that. Let me take advantage that, you know, that nothing has happened or a specific thing hasn't happened. A friend of mine got diagnosed with MS last year. And she came to me, and she was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in a wheelchair. I'm not going to be able to do what I love and things like that. I'm like, you know, take it down a notch. Take a breath. You've got a strong diagnosis. And now you're going to learn to live with this. So take it day out of day. You're not in a wheelchair right now, you know, so there's no point in worrying. If the time comes, then that's when you're going to, you know, worry about it.
1: But, you know, I think
3: I think as humans, we worry about tomorrow. We worry, oh, what if I go blind? Or, you know, what if I lose all my muscles? You know, what if I'm in the wheelchair? I've, I've, I have thought of these things, but I, I like to take a break, take a breath. Okay, I can still drive. I am driving right now, you know. Because, yeah. um, like, for me, that's one thing that I'm afraid of, uh, not being able to drive it's one of the independent things that I have. Um, and that's one of my worries. Um, so the fact that I can still drive right now kind of takes me back and, um, not worry about it, you know, like, I like day by day. And I think all of us can kind of, you know, um, all of us can learn to live day by day. This hasn't happened yet. So let me worry about right now. And um, so, yeah, so so that's what I like to do. That's what I've been teaching myself to take that breath. Don't worry. Day by day. Someone, Someone used, like when I had my transplant, someone had told me that, you know, day by day, even hour by hour, if you need to take it hour by hour um you know you're going to be feeling better right after transplant I had a hard time my second transplant with hallucinations not being present um and someone had told me you know Emily just relax take it hour by hour you're healing you've just been through a whole surgery so take it hour by hour and then I kind of took that to to now to my worries and that's just uh there was that saying about um, the today being present. That's why it's called the present, like not worry about tomorrow. So that's what I've been trying to to, to think. And I, and I always give advice that I'm like, hmm, maybe I should follow my own advice, you know? Um, and so, so learning day by day is uh, and taking it day by day kind of helps me not worry about if I'm going to go blind in the future or, or something, you know. It yeah. um, doesn't hurt to be ready, too. Like, I did look, you know, with uh, social workers and, and stuff like that. My, mo- my mom worries a lot. So, but, and we have the tools for it, to prevent it. So, you know, that's that's me. That's my worries. But let's just, you know, we have lots to worry about. Obviously, in the future, with cystinosis, we don't know but we can just uh control what we can control and um day by day
5: one of my main worries for for recently has been uh the whole vaccine thing because some of our family is vaccinated and some of them aren't Mm. so we're worried and our mom and dad are worried about it too or will we ever really get to? be around the people who aren't vaccinated because they really believe that you know once they've been around it and they've had it and they survive that they don't need the vaccine but I mean it's our brothers and sisters and they they don't think they need it and I don't think they really think about well are we ever going to be That's able to around them yeah. like that you know I don't. I guess I don't get why, why they think that way. Like, why don't they realize that they have two sisters who have a rare disease and a transplant, and in order for them to be around them, they need to have the vaccine. I just I, worry. They
1: yeah. Don't ever get it. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. I, about half my family is like, are like that too. They don't believe in the vaccine. <laughs> um I, I i just wear a mask and i stay 50 feet away and i be, say hi <laughs> I, I i love you stay away from me <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah. Yes. conflict avoid the conflict and try to keep the love yeah. the love from a distance really love from afar <laughs> yeah yeah love from a distance
0: <laughs> um,
5: I'm just hoping one day that we can all, I don't know, be in one place because together as a family, but right now, mom and dad don't even want anybody who's unvaccinated in their house. Well, we could always just get a shirt that says, if you're reading this, you're too close. (laughs) 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 Or something like that.
4: It's interesting, right, just thinking about family, not even about, I mean, I, we could have, and we, I think you guys have had whole podcasts, right, just about vaccine, but, yeah. <laughs> and COVID, right, but thinking about the bigger issues, too, of sort of family, and family are either these great supports, or they can be these great sources of stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how do you sort of, you know, how do you figure out how to cope, how to, how to sort of talk honestly about what you need, or do you? You know, I, with those family members.
1: I think it depends on the family member. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, they can
5: they can be stubborn. I'm hoping that one day they'll listen because, I mean, we don't get in arguments about it, and we have we have a thing where you know when we used to get together before the whole pandemic, no politics at the table. We well, have To mention it, then we're like, no, we're not talking about this. Let's talk about something fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's that's just the Healy family way <laughs> we we uh, we get an argument, you know, we'll get all hot headed and then, you know, an hour later, they've forgotten about it or or they're going to the bar. <laughs> Let's go to the bar. <laughs> and they, Well, because around holidays when we all get together, you know, everyone's coming back for like school reunions and whatever. So they're all excited. And they get getting,
4: to meet up with all their friends. Yeah. What? How are people feeling about the holidays coming up? I'm going to take us off script a little bit, but you know, Ethan made a great point about you know how the holidays can be both a wonderful time but also a really stressful
3: time. I, mean, I was just how saying. Are like, feeling about that? I was just saying before we started. You know, I was like, I'm not ready. Honestly, I'm. I'm. A, I'm trying so hard to get into that Christmas spirit. But like it's it's being hard, you know. Uh, the Christmas tree's up. It's only half done, um, and I was and I'm like, I thought I had three more days or the weekend to buy presents for, and I was just teacher thinking he was gonna have school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. In reality, today was the last day. And I'm like, oh god, you know. I, and I was out on Thursday um so like i'm not, i was out on thursday doing uh, you know little gifts for the for the teachers and you know i i bought a couple presents but nothing big you know and i'm like worried about that because like the kids they want that you know and i'm not going to be able to provide it for them and it's stressing me out honestly it's like it's putting me in a bad mood that i won't be able to buy like you know what the, the the exact present that they want. Elijah wants like two hundred dollars shoes, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to buy it, you know. <laughs> it, 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 so it's like it, I don't know. I bought I bought him something that he wanted, and I know that he he he's grateful, but he expects it, you know. And the person that always gave him the big present was Robbie, so he's gone. Um. Mom is trying, so he's going to be appreciative, I know, but still, like me, my feeling is I wish I could provide it to him, you know, um, but I don't know about this year, it's going to be small gifts, so at least he'll be happy with quality, you know, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready, I'm not feeling it, I talked a little bit to Robbie's sister today kind of explain like I want to get the boys stuff because she has three she has three kids and i want and I buy them things every year and I'm like this year I'm not going to be able to send you guys something but she's like oh don't worry about it you know we'll we'll go out when you're here and um so yeah I'm not in the mood I wish I was I'm
1: I'm looking forward to it um it's
3: good
1: it's it's gonna be different uh because we we just lost my uh, my my last uh, grandpa in in uh, October,
6: oh,
1: yeah. um, and 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 so we, we we would normally go back to to hit his house, um, oh. and and celebrate with them, but we're not doing that this year, and, and oh. there's also uh we 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 got a a big move coming for for, for um uh, one of my 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 brothers, so they're they're moving out of state. Um, after the holiday so there's a lot of there's a lot of change happening um it's a big ch- change year so i I'm, I'm looking forward to being the get together and and we're actually having our uh, family christmas tomorrow um, so that that would be nice
5: well, I actually am looking forward to christmas i I love Christmas yeah and when we were children our our uh, our parents would like go all out so it always brings back good memories so I love decorating and you know all the lights and music and Christmas
4: it cheers me up I love it. Brianna and Ethan how about you guys how are you
7: feeling about this? I'm actually excited about the holidays yeah uh, little one six this will be her third Christmas with us and Just seeing how she lights up, you know, she's still at that age and she was on the naughty list because she was bad in school and Santa called and so then she was good at school today. Like Santa will call you back to make sure you're on the not on the naughty list anymore. (laughs) Yep, our little one will be officially adopted on the thirtieth of December. So I was hoping for Christmas, but I'll take the thirtieth. It's before the first of the year. There you go.
6: Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing.
1: Congrats.
6: Yeah. It, adoption is such a beautiful thing. You're changing this little girl's history. You're changing this little girl's future. You're changing this little girl's life. And uh, I think adoption is one of the most beautiful things a person can do. So, congrats. yeah, it hasn't been
7: always easy, but, you know.
6: Of course not. Her, no. You know, so. Of course
7: She's
6: not. She's come a
7: long way since we got her, so, with behavior. Yeah, yeah. She, she yeah. could barely even speak when we got her and she was four years old. So wow. she's come, yeah. yep, she's six now. She's come a long way.
6: Great, thanks to you guys.
2: Uh, well, to give some, some, so I have no kids, uh, but I, I def, to all my friends who do have parents, I generally spoil their kids rotten, but in, in different ways, mostly by sending them either a mixture of sweets and as many child-friendly art history coloring books that i can find and afford um i ran into a grandmother about two months ago when i was waiting for my snow tires to be um installed at costco because i, I live in montana right now and i just and i just looked at my phone it is six degrees out here
6: so oh my it, gosh. Is, it is
2: it is freezing outside um but there was there was a grandmother who was in front of me in line who was worried about um what whatever she can get her grandkids for Christmas and I'm uh, you know, I got I got I got Santa's back. And so I'm I said to her, Look, you all you have to say to your your grandchildren is, you know, I I talked to Santa and he and he told me he got the thing you want, but the big problem is it's stuck in a shipping container at the port of LA. So he's he did his best. The sh- we, we got a shipping shortage <laughs> here. It's backed up. <laughs> um but in terms of the holidays, the one of the worst things about it is that every year I have to spend a period of a week and a half fighting health insurance agencies and re-enrolling. And this year, um, you know, my dad has every year my, my dad gets older, and he has to think of either new or worry about new policies to keep me as a dependent or keep sending the paperwork in to do the same thing uh but this year was kind of funny where he was like telling me that you know the the our new coverage now which thankfully was approved like everything was wrong and I'm like I was kind of expecting the worst but it, I am so used to this now, where I'm—I just called every single person, into, including Grim, and said, "Can I get some notes for these? And I need another letter. And I just need help navigating this red tape that we have to deal with every single year." Uh, but it got done, and it was like the first time I said to my mom, "Like, God, my dad is acting like a Karen. He thinks everything is backwards and broken, and it's not." He's just, being a think today and that's saying something considering normally it's me shouting at the the rep or me on hold for 45 minutes with either stanford grim or my my uh, everyone and i'm like i have to kind of spend my first three weeks of the, of the new year seeing every physician who hasn't seen me in like eight months because otherwise they don't treat me that's kind of like the worst part of going into every single year is like having to renegotiate or explain to a rep, a doctor, or et cetera, why I haven't been here. And one of the biggest things from this year that I appreciate and kind of keep close to the vest is Grim said to me back in July during our our virtual screening of, he said, Ethan, I don't think I've ever seen you this like kind of energetic in a positive way. And I looked at him and I said, Grim, you'd be surprised how much your attitude improves when you're working a job you don't hate. And so, going into the new year, there have been a few setbacks. Like, I, I, um, I'll only be in California with my family for a little under a week because I volunteered to, to house sit for my older brother and his wife because they're going to, they're going somewhere outside the U.S., which is remarkable. I'm like, how is anyone letting anyone in right now? Um. But I'll be house sitting uh, in Colorado, so I'll spend Christmas in California and New Year's in Colorado because I miss I miss Denver quite a bit. But um, I'll be going home just to see family and and my and in uh, my pets because I we have a lot of pets and I miss them all the time. Um, but it'll be the first time where I won't be able to see like I think sadly my best friend. Because um, she sadly is a victim of, of abuse and can never let anything go that's ever happened to her. And she and I had a falling out on Halloween where I found out a whole bunch of my like quote-unquote friends weren't playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons. They were. They just didn't have the decency to say, we don't want to play with you anymore. And I called all of them out saying... You're all 27, you're not 6. You couldn't have just said to me in a brief text like Ethan, you're still our friend, but we don't like but uh to quote my my DM, you suck at D&D. You couldn't have taken the 2 minutes to send that text and not caused all this drama. Are you sure you guys aren't tw- are you are you sure you guys are um aren't 16 instead of 27? Um but sadly um through this stupid drama that could have been avoided. Uh, I think I lost my best friend to pettiness and I, or at the worst, I won't hear from her again for another four months because she knows how to, she keeps these grudges that make no sense at a, at a woman her age. She's one year older than me. Uh, and so I, for the first time in more than 10 years, I'm going back to California without having to see, not loving my best friend because of both pettiness and um she has not she doesn't have a good family life um and she's worried about killing her grandmother with covid even though you know she's fully vaccinated so is her grandmother and they're both got the boosters but there's no persuading her when she sets her mind on something she will not be persuaded kind of going to be like kind of the last kind of bittersweet note of 2021 that i can't see my best friend because people she took this she took the side of people who don't deserve to be sided with and she's just so terrified of losing the one family member who's been good to her but
4: that's a lot those are not a lot that's not an easy holiday ethan
2: yeah um and at some point i don't know And it's, I have my other friend, he's, um, he, um, he has Asperger's and it's also just a huge know-it-all, but he said to me about like a month ago, why don't people keep like, honestly stabbing you in the back when you're such a nice guy? And I can't say it to him because I'm always like, should I say it? Probably not. But in my head, I'm like, uh, I say god how is it you're 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 the biggest know-it-all math genius and you have um and you have asperger's and yet when it comes down to basic human emotions you get it when you're like why are people so crap to you and i'm like why do you get this i don't understand (laughs) it's one of those things that kind of keeps me up at night where i'm like why is brian freaking montez understand my pain and the reality if this does not make sense.
4: (laughs) Well, I mean, one of the beautiful things I've come to appreciate about folks sort of on the spectrum in all those ways is that for them, the social rules that we sort of create don't make sense. And they're, they're just flimsy. Right. And so, when you sort of see through those which is it sounds like what he does right it's like what? this is yeah. so obvious it's so clear why do people behave this way so yeah. sometimes that perspective right we get so caught up in these social ways we yeah. ought to behave ways we ought to treat each other that really yeah. aren't real so uh, um see.
2: yeah going home I, would be yeah yeah go, go ahead
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we could keep, we could keep talking all night and I, I would love to, I think I do want to get you guys back on our kind of coping (laughs) focus and, and some of you have already sort of said this, and I think we've thrown out such great ideas about all the different ways that people do respond and cope with both their own stuff and other people's stuff. Um, but think about for our audience, for our younger families out there, especially, and our younger patients out there that are that are you know listening in on this. What kind of advice do you want to give to our other listeners tonight?
1: I I guess um, my number one thing, my number one advice would be to have both patience with yourself and patience with others as far as coping mechanisms and stuff it, it's okay to react in whatever way you react and uh allow yourself to feel your emotions and go through your emotions rather than uh you know tr- trying to suppress them or or, or, or uh no.
4: That's a great point, Steve. I yeah. I read something just recently about sort of like going through the emotional cycle, even though it's uncomfortable, like going through it. Then you get to the end of it, as opposed to trying to hide it, trying to tamp it down. Yeah, but just let it happen and then move through it.
1: Exactly, because I, I, if you don't, it can it it can build up and cause issues later. Yeah, I
6: there's a saying that. Um, says you know you've been through a hundred percent of your toughest times you know so just keep going and I I like to to think that you know that's exactly what we need to do I mean we've survived hundred percent of the toughest times um, with cystinosis or not you know people have tough times with cystinosis or without cystinosis it's just important to to realize that you have been through hundred percent to keep going. Um and as a, a blue little fishy says, just keep swimming. Uh swim through swim through everything. Uh just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You know, that one scene of her in the if you guys uh finding Nemo, uh where she's stuck in the jellyfish. You know, jellyfish can be all the obstacles that sisternosis throws at our, us. She kept swimming. You know? And um so that's what I, I my 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 tip would be that, you know, let things go. Um and know that you've survived hundred percent of your toughest times, and just keep going. You're you know.
4: it's nice. And I like that image. I'm gonna think about the the bluefish and the gold and the jellyfish. <laughs>
6: um I
2: think uh to collaborate on both what Emily and Steve said, um you you shouldn't ignore those feelings like i waited until 2017 to seek uh, counseling first at my at my graduate school and then again and then late, later that year with a, a more professional counselor and just 4 months of therapy made me feel like i had gotten rid of a lot of like honestly like black vial that I had been kept inside since since I really could basically since since uh, the age of um, twelve, and I, and just getting rid of it offered some kind of like a lot of clarity and resolution conclusion. Uh, I'm annoyed that I'm gonna have this song back in my head, but now I'm gonna go now I'm gonna have to go and rewatch Frozen because you gotta let it go um and i can't believe that movie is like still around and so, but uh just that weird line of conceal don't for, don't feel um and lastly uh there's a comedian uh who who said like a couple years ago before uh after the 2016 election and this is advice for anyone who's in a relationship and uh, or a married relationship um the most important words in a for a relationship are not I love you. They're actually let it go. <laughs> Move on and let it go. Um or unless you ask me and I told this to an ex- another ex friend when she asked me how 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 I would, you know, describe my life or give it a title. Uh again, I gonna just try my best to hear everything G here. Uh, but I said to her, if I had to write a memoir about my life, I would title it, just roll with it.
4: It's a good one. And I think, you know, I, obviously we need, we. I like your R-rated session idea, Ethan. As soon as we can all be in person for A-Lab or anything else, that definitely needs to happen. We need uh, some honest language out there.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Brianna, Jana, Sarah, anything else you want to add? Um, I would say not to take things so personally be my advice yeah keep uh, a little a little distance and protect yourself
5: yeah i agree and to just uh one thing i would say is uh figure out what works best for you and it, it may take a while you won't figure it out right away but once you do stick with it. i guess um my one advice would be to the to the parents, I know when we were, when we were younger, our parents wanted us to feel normal, so they didn't really have us around a lot of people with uh, cystinosis. I think we when we were younger, we only knew one, or maybe two people with cystinosis. But my advice would be to let your kids be around as many people that are like you because it will make them feel like they're part of a part of a group or part of a community and they won't feel so alone through their cystinosis journey because, it, I don't know, it was just hard when we were younger to be at school around all these people who were healthy and, and had all these friends and, you know, they didn't really know a lot about us or, you know, why we smelled or why we had to be gone for a few days, every like six months, with checkups. And I think that would have helped out a lot if, if we would have been around a lot more people like us when we were younger.
4: No, and I, I think that's a great way to end because really that's why we're here, right? Is to build that and keep the community connection going and remind people that they're not alone in this, they're not the only one going through this. Um, And that, you know, those, those, those ears to listen, and those shoulders to lean on are there.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, everybody for for coming. And thanks, uh, CRN for sponsoring us. And we'll uh, end right here. Thank you.